in this week's episode. It's our last episode before we go on summer break, but we are going out with a bang. Three fantastic books this week, including Chip Starsky's Resignation from Marvel. Not really, but also maybe? It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back to Cover B. This will be the last episode before we go on break, just a reminder. Yes, we are about to do summer break. Yeah. And maybe we'll have some special summer break specials or something. Special summer break a palooza. Last year we did summer break archives, and people mm. seem to really like that. So maybe we can find some other stuff from the deep dark cover B Dell hey, show. Yeah. We'll do basements. summer that. We'll do summer this. Boo. Boo. (laughs) I just want to be loved. Well, but we do have some excellent comics to kick. Yep. To end this season with. We are going out with a bang. So starting right off at the top, uh, Sins of the Black Flamingo, number one from Image Comics. This was written by Andrew Wheeler with art by Travis Moore. Uh, This is a bright, pulpy neon miami based neo noir tale about a uh cat burglar of sorts uh, a procurer of relics and historical goods named the black flamingo he steals stuff from rich people because why not what we get uh kind of through the uh, through the narrative is uh, it turns out things are a bit more supernatural in this than they initially feel. I went into this expecting just a neo-noir book of uh, a professional thief. Uh, what I ended up getting were things like golems and demons and magic. So it's a supernatural tale of a neo-noir, bright, pulpy, Miami uh, thief man. Which is cool. <laughs> What do you think? I I can't articulate how obsessed I am with this mm-hmm. book. I was already super hyped for this book because the <laughs> initial promotion of this book had two blurbs from authors being like, this book is great and you should pick it up. And those two authors were Kieran Gillen and Chips Darsky. Yep. And if you've ever listened to our podcast literally ever before today, you know that them's my boys and I love them. And so clearly if... The two, my two favorite authors are recommending this book. I had to read it. Yeah. We're... So we picked this book up. It's it's like gaudy and queer and magical and spiritual and probably gonna have some weird like quasi Christian undertones and and I couldn't have it. I could have written this book. It's like straight out of my deepest <laughs> needs. It's like they picked my brain apart and they were like, yeah. how do we make this into something real? And it happened and now it's here and I'm I'm so excited, you guys. Yeah. I finished <laughs> I finished this book and was immediately like, this is T's new favorite book. <laughs> it's so perfect. It's wonderful. It's really fun. The characters are great, delightful. Uh, it utilizes magic and supernatural stuff without being bogged down by it. Like Mm -hmm. there's no point where something magical is happening and we have to have somebody kind of expounding on why it's happening or what's going on. Like it's, it's, it's fantasy light. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, 
it's playing on the fact that the concepts it's going to bring into play are things that everyone knows at this point. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we've we've seen that kind of approach taken a lot with like superhero books, like indie superhero books. Don't do a lot of don't spend a lot of time establishing what a superhero is. Right. You know, for a long time, that's what it was. Every time a new superhero came about or every time a new superhero universe came about or a new superhero book came about, we had to take time to like show an origin and show who they were and yada, yada, Explain why powers exist in this world. Exactly. We're past that. Everyone knows. It's like if you, you know, the recent Robert Pattinson Batman or uh, the recent Spider-Man movies, like they didn't bog down in origin because everyone knows those characters. We already got that part. (laughs) And in a way, a lot of like genre specific things, fantasy, horror, sci-fi are also things that we kind of understand. And yet a lot of writers are doing spending a lot of time in their first issues with exposition and creating why these things happen, you know? And it's fine, it's cool, it's world building, but it's not always necessary, especially when you have a very rich and, like, fast-paced narrative that you're trying to get out, yeah. you know? And in this, I think that's a really interesting tactic, is you you create this, like I said, pulpy, gaudy, I think you use yeah. the word gaudy, gaudy world and really fast-paced direction for the narrative, and you establish the characters really, really quick in a really just convenient, easy way. And then the supernatural elements that you're going to be playing into might be expounded on more later. But for the time being, you understand that everybody knows demons. Everybody knows witchcraft. Everybody knows how golems, like golems work yeah. to some extent. You know what I mean? Like. People know these things. You don't have to like dive in and be like, oh, the golem works because the, you know what I mean? Like people, people get it. You just do it and you move on, you know? I think one of the things that spoke to me so much about this book is that it, it feels super duper current and relevant and like it was made today Mm -hmm. without over utilizing technology to prove that point. Mm Mm-hmm. In a lot of fantasy and stories nowadays, in order to be like, this is modern, this takes place right now in this year, they they overutilize like social media or people being on the internet or whatever. There's there's lots of phones yeah. everywhere. It's like overuse of phones. Get dunked on the third book we're going to talk about today. <laughs> Well, that one's about that specifically. <laughs> it's a little more appropriate. I'm talking about maybe other books we've talked about yeah, recently there's that a in lot order of books, to make it modern tip very heavily like this person's an influencer. Yeah, like, like a I lot get of it. a lot of books <laughs> to establish themselves in the modern age will have like a panel that's like half like text message. Exactly. Or like, you know, somebody looking at their phone and there's like a splash page of their Twitter feed right. with some made up Twitter company name. Exactly. You know? yeah. Exactly. This book, in the way that it spoke, in the way that it talked about certain current events and things, I mean, there's a there's a whole splash page. I to preface, I'm from Florida. I love Florida. They lovingly destroy Florida, and it felt so appropriate, and I related to it so hard that I was like, yes. Exactly. This took place right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this made sense 
right now. This is exactly right. And the way that they talk about current events yeah. and the way they talk about the world, it's, I mean, if you spend any time on social media right now, ironically, you know that there's this ongoing vibe with um, particularly Gen Z of a very uh, sense of dread and the world's ending. So why not sort of a vibe? Mm -hmm. And this book does a good job kind of emphasizing that mm -hmm. and making notes of like, eh, you know, our country's a garbage fire. It's fine. And you're like, hey, I believe you. <laughs> it, it just, it feels very grounded. Yeah, that's yeah, true. So I really appreciate it that they were able to make it feel like it was made today without making it feel like it was made today because there's people live streaming yeah. on Facebook. It's rebellious. <laughs> it's flashy. It's bombastic. It's incredible. It's a really, really good book. It's yeah. a fantastic book. It's so well done. Next up, uh, we have... Uh, <laughs> Chips Ahoy, everyone. Woo, Chips Ahoy! <laughs> <laughs> Coming from our, from Big Papa Chip, Chips Darsky, <laughs> is uh, Public Domain, number one. This is also from Image. And it's also the book that's going to get Chips Darsky fired from Marvel. Um, I think that's what he's going for. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is really intense. Uh, Premise-wise, we are met with a family. The family is... Uh, headed up the patriarch of the family is a comic book artist from the days of yore he is the creator of a big superhero uh, and superhero universe called the domain uh for random comic company marvel filler comic company um he is planning his son is one of the main characters that we follow we spend the most time with him uh, he has two sons and a wife uh, one of the sons we follow around the most is a journalist for a newspaper. He's an arts and entertainment journalist, arts and culture, I think he calls himself. And his editor is like, you're my entertainment guy. Um, <laughs> and we are in a world where these, the cinematic universe for this company, uh, has been established They've done many, many movies. I think there's a like interview with a director that says they're in like the middle of phase five or whatever. And uh, the domain movie is happening. It's one of many. It's been there's been other domain movies. Domain's the character that the man created. He is as an artist. I think they he said they gave him like five thousand dollars and two tickets to the premiere. And that's like all he got out of doing this meanwhile the writer who also who co-created in heavy air quotes uh is loud and brash and obnoxious and is like way involved with the company making these movies uh and is probably doing is much more successful he's got like a big house and a big pool and he has an assistant who brings him rum and alcoholic beverages all day every day and a pr consultant and pr consultant and all this <laughs> Um, so this is the world that we're dropped into and we're following the, uh, mainly the assistant and the son who's a journalist. The other son, his brother is seemingly kind of a loser. Like you get that vibe off the bat, but then when we meet him, you realize that, well, yeah, kind of like he seems to be, he shirks responsibility and shirks work and is always lying about these crazy, amazing things that he's doing in his life. Uh, he also has a very positive outlook on life, so maybe he's got the right idea. Maybe we're the ones who are wrong. I don't know. But 
Uh, we follow them along as they, you know, just go through their day-to-day lives around this premiere. The journalist's son has to interview uh, the main star, the guy who plays Domain, and he's very upset about it, and it doesn't go well. Uh, meanwhile, the assistant to the writer uh, finds something very interesting in his basement as she's going through old files and old sketches and old scripts uh, in order to find something that the company, the movie company, the production company can use for like PR and marketing and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's where the thrust of this series is really going to take what she finds in the basement is where things are going to get really, really shook up. T thoughts. I adore this book because it sort of finally feels like somebody in the industry is actually making a commentary on the really terrible treatment of the creators of these things. And I think it's, it's, it's so interesting because, you know, there's a lot of dynamics that happen in the comic book industry in relation to making movies and making cinema and whatever. Um, you've got creators like Mark Millar, who kind of makes comics to make movies mm-hmm. <laughs> and to sell TV rights. Right. And, and he positioned and himself, you know, especially with Netflix now, he's positioned himself as like, I'm a writer, but I make comics and movies it's kind of like a both it, it's mm-hmm. it's a package deal for him but then there's other creators where the writers you know created characters at, but they're ultimately owned by the big name organizations and so they don't really get much value and i feel like a lot of the times what's interesting about this is that the artists really do get even less credit than the writers do um even though these artists are what make things so iconic i mean look at all of the disney plus shows right now all of the art is all over the place in these intros and these closing segments, mm-hmm. and it's very like poignant. Yeah, but we were actually you see we were, it, you wonder. Yeah, we were talking about that during Miss Marvel. Is in the first episode of Miss Marvel, the closing credits, there are very clearly multiple Miss Marvel comic covers. Yeah, and it's like, did you know? Was there any after everything that happened with the Hawkeye show? It makes you wonder if. They're just like, eh, screw it. Stay the course, you know. Yeah, like, do they? Do these people get any credit? Do they get any money? Do they get any value? Do they get anything? I mean, like, do it, it? We obviously don't get to see the inner workings of these deals and these dynamics, but yeah, we get to hear a lot of the chatter that happens in the aftermath, and it just doesn't seem like the creators that are bringing all of these great ideas and all this awesome stuff to these big organizations are necessarily getting their worth. And I think that in and of itself can be displayed in some of these really, really big name art authors and writers and artists kind of bailing out of the big names and going and doing creator owned or Substack or working on, um... you know, publisher hopping like a certain, you know, multi-initial certain author <laughs> cough cough yeah it um yeah i mean it's 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 an interesting zone like an interesting topic because it's like on one side yes it's not a surprise like it should not be a surprise that 
big companies are going to, if you create a character for them, they're going to have in their contract with you that anything you create, they own. Right. You don't own, they own it. It is a trademark of their company. Understandable, fine. But at the same time, especially with the explosion of the MCU and all this like big hype that they're having, all the new characters that they're working in, they can afford to provide something. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's the lack of recognition and the lack of anything. Like, um, you know, uh, Brubaker, the Winter Soldier, has been a huge part of the MCU. Yeah. And he gets, like, nothing. Yeah. He got paid more for his, like, cameo in the movie than for them using the character that <sighs> he created. And it's, like, cool, like... You know, there will be a lot of people that will argue like, yo, but they know going in like it's in the contract. They need to get over it. But that doesn't change the fact that putting your heart and soul into something, creating this character for this company and then getting basically nothing out of it and watching them get to make decisions with it and get to make, you know, story arcs with it. And you like use and Frankenstein your story arcs that you created. Uh is tough to watch and it's tough on these creators to see that. And it's, you know, now we're moving into a world where you have comics getting grabbed up all the time mm -hmm. for movies. The big issue is that we need to like movie studios got to stop effing up the movies. You know what I mean? Like yep. they keep making these indie things and then, like, it gets, like, you know, either it gets just absolutely obliterated in production hell or it gets released and it's just kind of mid, you know, yeah. and people don't like it and don't enjoy it. Like, you know, I really like the old guard, but it's kind of mid reviewed. It was kind of generic action fare. Like, the, yeah. I don't think they did a good job really getting the tone that went into the comic. And, like, Ice Cream Man, one of my favorite comics got bought up by a company that lasted all of like three months. Yeah. That would hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, we are kind of in this area where, you know, writers and artists are incentivized to create their own thing because then they, they themselves can sell the licensing for it and get more recognition and more money and production credits and you know get to sit in with the writers or sit in with the director or sit in with the production staff and kind of like have decisions about how their creations are treated and when you have you know marvel and dc over here not incentivizing people like demanding constantly demanding that people pump out new characters mm -hmm. but not incentivizing doing it Compared to me going over here and making my own shit and making movies and, you know, TV shows out of that. You know, if if companies could stop ruin, ruining creator-owned IPs and start producing good creator-owned IP stuff. Yeah. Then, like, it would way, like, they would lose every, like, Marvel and DC would only be able to survive off of new up-and-coming people. It's true. Because, and then once those new up and coming people establish themselves, they're outie. They're out, you know? <laughs> and that's kind of what we're seeing. We're seeing these huge exoduses. Exodi. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that one up later. <laughs> of big long term creators, too. Like you said, things like Substack and creator owned franchises and or creator owned publishers. And 
even starting their own publishers and yep. um, our own publication companies. It's just how it's going to go. And, you know, Marvel probably won't change. I mean, how it is. one thing that I do also want to note that to kind of argue with the they knew they were going to this is what they were getting into with their contract. Mm-hmm. A lot of these writers that made this content and made these characters and made these story arcs. This was back before the MCU was what it, it was. was. True. They yeah. signed these contracts back when the biggest Marvel movies that were created were like the Spider-Man movies. And it was because it was Spider-Man. And that, you know, that had the recognition. But the other movies like Fantastic Four didn't do great. And, you know, they tried other movies and they didn't do great. And so mm-hmm. there wasn't much of an expectation that if I write a character, it's ever going to go onto a movie screen because there wasn't any of that. Yeah. The, it didn't exist. There wasn't, it, it sort of happened out of left field. A lot of like it. even the more recent, like when you look at like winter soldier, sure. It happened after the whole bubble craze, like after the whole bubble scare. Right. But at that point, Marvel had already sold off most of its movie rights. Right. So, like, what were the chances that we were going to get this big sweeping MCU and Disney was going to buy Marvel and we were going to buy back and work out contracts with, like, Disney was going to buy Fox and we were going to work out contracts with Sony to put all these characters. Exactly. Like, who could have foreseen that all these licenses that got thrown out were then going to get roped back in? Right. You and know? so how would they have ever, ever thought to fight in a contract or you know, work together as like almost a union to yeah. standardize. Oh, well, if this becomes a movie, we want these types of rights. They had no, there was no precedence for it. True. So they had no reason to do that. So these older characters that aren't like old, but like happened from writers who started yeah. writing well before the MCU was a thing, there was no expectation well, for yeah, that. Yeah. And that's the thing too. Like once you get back into like the 90s, like the 90s was when the near bankruptcy was happening. Right. And, you know, Marvel's going through and selling off their rights to everything, licenses to everything, you know, aside from like animated shows and stuff and, you know, a few crappy movies like the Fantastic Four movie and the Nick Fury movie and stuff like that. Yeah. Like there wasn't much happening. No. And, you know, then you go back even further back to like the 80s, 70s, 60s, like people in those times didn't expect any sort of like i i mean especially in the 60s and 70s stuff was still it was targeted to kids it yep. wasn't like back then it wasn't expected that the kids reading it now will grow up and continue to read it and they'll share it with their kids and those kids will grow up and continue to read it you didn't expect this like multi-generational love so there wasn't much of a desire to see it hit the screen or see it hit you had like tv shows of like superman you had tv shows of like there was Batman the and stuff. yeah there was the Spider-Man 60s cartoon and stuff yeah. but and like in the 80s and early 90s there were a handful of movies but they were jokes i mean we're talking like Howard the Duck and mm-hmm. the like uh the the Batman movies that people kind of giggle about now you know and like it wasn't it wasn't what it was it, no one ever ever could have foreseen that what the MCU is now and the like superhero movie trend is today. Yeah. No one ever could have predicted. Well, and this is probably debatable, but I feel like, I feel like DC was more likely to get into the movie game than Marvel ever was. I a hundred percent believe that. Like Batman and Superman are just so universal. And it's not to say that like, you know, Spider-Man's not, Captain America's not, but like, if you look back, if you look back before the MCU, 
how what percentage of people now that know who Iron Man is and what kind of character he is would have known. Well, you and know? Batman and, and, and the DC universe was always significantly better about doing media anyway because you had the Batman TV show and you had the 90s cartoons and you they did mo- uh, video games before Marvel did. Mm. So like they were always faster to media, so I certainly would have thought that a DCEU would have erupted far before an MCU would have. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, you have the people specifically working at Marvel, not really, like... I don't know. It, w- it would be interesting to talk to people about... I feel like a lot of the, the conversation nowadays is, like, how do you feel that they're using your character? Like, how do you feel... Like, what sort of you know, compensation are you getting for them using their character? And I don't feel like there's enough, like I at least haven't seen enough interviews where people are like, did you ever expect, Yeah. you know, did you ever expect Thanos to hit the big screen? Did you ever expect, expect green goblin to hit the big screen twice, you know, like two different versions. And it, um, yeah. And I, I, like I said, I think DC, like, DC established way early a television presence, like yeah. way early. And while, like I said, Marvel had, you know, the Spider-Man cartoon in the 60s, and then eventually they had the X-Men cartoon and Spider-Man cartoon in the 90s. And there were other, like there was an Iron Man cartoon at one point. But like, you know, you go around the globe, go around the country, everybody knows who Batman is and right. what his deal is. And even before there were big movie franchises, people knew. And the same with Superman. Everyone knows like... Faster than a speeding train, you know, yeah. able to leap over buildings in a single bound, like that kind of stuff. Everyone knows that. And so, like, it's when you really, really think about it, it's kind of wild that Marvel took that gamble to yeah. begin with, that just dove in and did it. Uh, it's cool that it worked. But, like, you know, if you were a writer, creator at Marvel, I feel like at some point, you know, maybe as late as the 90s or early 2000s, but at the very least, like the 80s, 70s, 60s, you probably never expected no. what we have now. And so those contracts that they signed never really evolved because that's the nature of contracts. Like contracts are in stone. And unless there's a specific like stipulation in the contract that it will change at a later date, it's just how it is. Yeah. And, you know. So you look at people like Ed Brubaker who were even closer to the MCU than somebody like Jack Kirby or, you know, any of the dudes from like the 80s and 70s. Uh, And like, okay, yeah, he signed a contract that gave Marvel all the rights to this character. But like, he was coming right out of the bubble. Like, there's no expectation that this thing is going to blow up the way it did. No. So... But this book does a, it it absolutely lampoons Marvel. Like it's, it does. it's not <laughs> it is not afraid of you making the it it's Marvel. It's it's how it is. Like it's directly connected to Marvel. The writer dude even kinda I don't know if he meant this, but even kinda looks like Stan Lee. Like is Marvel. Yeah, it's it's it how is. it is. So uh Chip, I hope you had fun. I don't think I doubt they will like I doubt Marvel will do anything, but it it's I would love to be a fly on the wall when like someone higher up in Marvel reads public domain and then like calls Chip and is like, hey, can can we talk? <laughs> I I see Chip being like in the office and they're like, so and they like drop it on the desk. 
what's this about, Chip? And he folds his arms, and he crosses his legs, and he leans back, and he goes, you said you're not putting Howard the Duck in Guardians 3, and this is my response. <laughs> and that's just how it works. <laughs> yeah. I, I, he's going to go get that Batman money. He, that's <laughs> true. That's he's true. He's done with Daredevil. He's, he's off onto his own thing. But uh, incredible book. It's really good. It's dramatic. It's... You know, it's just dripping with Zdarskisms. <laughs> um, it's it's wonderful. It's funny. It's enjoyable. The characters are fun and interesting and, you know, imperfect. Yeah, imperfect. But very endearing. But endearing. You know, you love, like, I love the dad. He's such a sweetie. I kind of love the whole family. And, uh, yeah, I love the whole family. I like the assistant. Like, there's a really great interaction between the dad and the assistant uh, at the premiere. And it's just, it's good. It's it's a good book. It's it's shockingly wholesome. I kind of yeah. didn't expect it to be as wholesome as it was after reading the solicitation <laughs> and knowing it's a chip. Um, <laughs> chip likes his transgressions, but uh, yeah, it was it was really good. Really Chips cool. ahoy! Chips ahoy! <laughs> All right. Lastly, we have a book called Mindset. Uh, this is coming out of Vault Comics, uh, written by Zach Kaplan with art by John Pearson. Uh, this book opens with a young man being uh, interrogated about the murder of his biggest investor at his company. He's like a, you know, a hot upstart tech mogul. And he apparently beat his top investor with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> We then flash back and watch him be a loser <laughs> at his engineering college. Uh, he's not going to graduate because he missed like one. You know, it wasn't a loser. He was dealing with stuff. Uh, he's not going to graduate because he missed one lab uh, because he was having like a panic attack. He was having like a, a breakdown. So he didn't go to lab. So they're like, oh, you're not going to pass. And so he's got to like. The night before graduation, he's got to rush and find somebody to help him do this lab. In doing the lab, he and his friends discover mind control. Neat. Heck yeah. And what they wanted, their whole pitch, their whole like direction, and this is all in the solicitation, so it's not spoilers. But their whole direction is they wanted to create an app that weans people off of digital influence. So, you know targeted advertising and data mining and algorithms and social media in general, all these things program us and control us in some sort of way and pull us to and from things that benefit companies and making purchases that benefit companies, impulse buying on sites like Amazon and Etsy and eBay. And they wanted to create an app that would effectively reprogram someone's brain to be free of that. They're trying to put me out of business. Exactly. <laughs> and what they did is discovered mind control. So it's going to be what we're left with is in following issues is going to be watching them take this discovery of full fledged mind control and turn it into effectively like a meditation app. How are they going to use this to free people of the burden of social media brainwashing and internet brainwashing? T, thoughts? It's so interesting because it's like, how do you build 
something to remove influence by using the ultimate influence. Mm-hmm. Because that's what they're trying to do, right? They're trying to, you know, wash your brain of all of the external influence sources that determine how you dress and walk and where you buy your coffee and when you eat your dinner and all of the things. And they're trying to, like, purge all of that. But in order to purge all of that, they're going to use their own influence, which in and of itself is a digital influence, maybe the strongest digital influence. So it's very interesting trying to figure out how they're going to reason this and work it out. But at the end of the day, this is a story about a venture capitalist getting beat to death with a fire extinguisher. And personally, it's my favorite part. I watch, <laughs> a, I I watch a lot of crime dramas. Mm-hmm. I watch a lot of tech crime dramas. I I was over there watching the dropout. Like, I'm into it. Can we like let? I I enjoyed the backstory and how we got to the mind control. But like, let's get back to the murder because mm-hmm. I'm into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you had me at ah, I'm being beat by a fire extinguisher. <laughs> Especially, ah, I'm a rich tech mogul and I'm being beaten by a fire extinguisher. I'm like, yes, sold. I'm in. Uh, Put it on my file. (laughs) Check. Eat the rich. Anyway. (laughs) Excuse me. Let me take a swig of my delicious Starbucks coffee. Mm. Just because we feed the machine doesn't mean we're a part of it. Chocolate cream cold brew. Can't resist it. Ever since I saw that ad on my Facebook. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I've been off social media for months now, and it's been the best decision of my life. Uh, you can find Cover B at, <laughs> at Cover B Podcast on Facebook. We won't try to influence <clears throat> you. We'll just share cute memes. <laughs> it's a cool book. It's got a lot going for it. You know, it um, issue one didn't really extend past the solicitation so not everyone reads the solicitation for books but if you get on previews world or the publisher site they'll have a solicitation which is a little like elevator pitch of what the book is about kind of like the back of a book type thing yeah and a lot of times comics first issues won't really go past what the solicitation brings and then you get into like the later issues and they're like a new player enters the game of dylan's life and like all this stuff and you're like all right cool and it's more mysterious on like the later issues but the first issue they really need to sell people on uh to get them hooked to brainwash them into buying more it's that Um, digital influence uh, (laughs) i don't remember oh the (laughs) (laughs) the solicitation so the um the first issue for this, like, if you read the solicitation, you're not really getting much out of the first issue beyond it. Right. You know, uh, I believe the solicitation mentions the murder. It mentioned, which it happens. I think the murder might be the only thing that isn't mentioned in the solicitation, and that shit happens in the first two pages. That's literally the so, like, first thing you yeah, see. Yeah, it opens with him being interrogated for the murder. Then it's about them discovering this mind control, which is what the entire solicitation is about. So, you know, if you read the solicitation going in or, God forbid, listen to two people on a podcast tell you everything that happened in the book, then you might go into the book being like, I knew all this. Um, 
But there's more to it than that. It raises a bunch of questions. You get to meet all the characters. You get to meet the friends. You get to see the gritty underbelly of Silicon Valley. Uh, you get to kind of get a vibe of what it's like being one of these tech-centric college kids, which if you weren't, it's an interesting experience because it's way different than my experience as an English major, which was basically like I'd go into a class and professors would be like, do you want to talk today? And we're like, eh. And they're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, and the art is incredible mm-hmm. and very, very, very dark. It's yeah. a very dark book. It's subdued. And I think that's an interesting choice considering, you know, it's all about like the digital space, which is inherently bright and open, you know, but somebody put this on dark mode and <laughs> it's cool. It's got a lot of neon, a lot of splashiness to it. It's very tech in and of itself. Like it's very technological in and of itself. But It's really cool. Uh, it's a good book. It's really, really cool. And I'm excited to see the mystery of A, like I said, how these guys take this discovery and use it altruistically in this this app. Uh, and I'm also interested to see who influenced our boy to murder his investor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's also a character that's mentioned in the first couple pages that we haven't met yet. So we need to, we don't know when she comes into play. It's true. She has the but. coolest name in any book ever. Mm-hmm. Atlanta Hannah. Atlanta Hannah. I'm like, that's a great name. Well, yeah. Mindset. Check it out. Very, very cool. So that's going to do it for us. Really, really cool books. Just a reminder, we're going to take a month off. So we will not be here uh, for at least like on regular releases for July. We will still be posting things on our social media, including archives, uh, as well as maybe some other goobery stuff. And then uh, we will be doing a Love and Rockets episode which I guess, or not Love and Rockets, Love and Thunder, Thunder. Uh, episode, not, mm, I think the movie comes out next week, so it'll yes. be like the following, mo- not this upcoming Monday, but the following Monday. Yeah, not like three days have, from now, like a week and three days yeah, from now. Yeah, <laughs> we will have a Thor Love and Thunder episode so that you can hear our thoughts on that. And if any of the spoilery rumors are true, be ready for a lot of tea crying during that mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we we might get some character drops if we get certain character drops your girl's gonna be in her feels <laughs> i mean look i gotta live through the scene of seeing his butt so <laughs> that's a great scene <laughs> just make me feel inadequate when we all feel inadequate in the presence of hemsworth i know right <laughs> I saw a random, this is totally, we're supposed to be doing our closing argument right now, but uh, I saw a random article that was just talking about like him doing interviews, talking about playing Thor and stuff like that. And it was just a picture of him like from the shoulders up. And I was just kind of observing his features. And I was like, how is he perfect? You know? Yeah, like perfect jawline. His eyes are like the perfect size for his face. He's got gray hair. Stop it. Hey. Some of us trying to live out here, man. Hey, man. You think you have it bad? Imagine being Luke Hemsworth. Oh, yeah. That's true. You have to go to holiday parties with that guy and be like, huh. I think there's gotta be, it's got to be kind of freeing being the less hot Hemsworth, though, right? Like, Is it? 
you know, you could spill, go to holiday parties, spill mashed potatoes on yourself and be like, at least I'm not the hot one. Am I right? We love you, Luke. Vintage okay. Luke Hemsworth. Am I right, guys? And everyone's just like, oh, Luke, you card, you rascal. We're, we're so sorry, Luke. We love Westworld. So they're all like muscly in Australia. And so their holiday parties are probably like them tackling kangaroos. Or something crazy. Playing epic beach volleyball or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was thinking about a Hemsworth beach volleyball <laughs> party. <laughs> probably close out the episode now. So, anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. If you want more episodes of Cover B uh, or you want to get fully caught up while we're on break, you can find them on our website, coverbpodcast.com. That's right. And in the meantime, as we are... Uh, on break, you can follow us on social media at Coverbee Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We will be posting periodic little updates, maybe some archive information, maybe some little random thingies. So definitely follow us over there. Mm-hmm. So thank you again for listening. I hope everyone has a good month of July. Everyone has a good, safe Fourth of July weekend. Yes. Uh, as always, I have been Chris. This has been T. Uh-huh. We will catch you in August for more episodes of, of Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody.